Welcome to Nourishing Matters to Chew On, a podcast that takes its cue from big picture, healthy and sustainable food system agendas and digs in to explore their implications and how they are landing here in Australia. I'm Anthea Fawcett, founder of Foodswell, sustainability advocate and a farmer's daughter from New South Wales. Join me on a weekly journey across our food and agricultural landscapes as I speak with inspiring people who are tackling parts of the wicked puzzle to enable change toward a healthier, more sustainable, fair and resilient food system and environment. I acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. I acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Across the country, there's a rapidly growing appetite and demand for more local, regional and seasonal food. Food that's produced ethically, sustainably, that's fresh, good for people and for the environment and that adds value in interconnected ways across the value chain from paddock to plate. Whether it's to reduce food miles, improve food choices and affordability or to help local producers, communities and economies to regenerate and recover from times of drought and more, or for consumers to access food more safely during times like COVID. Knowing your food's provenance, where it comes from, and then having the ability to choose and act on that knowledge is really powerful. Joining me is Erica Hughes, who is the founder of Farmer Meets Foodie, an inspirational online virtual farmer's market that connects food producers directly with commercial food businesses and consumers in far north Queensland. Erica, a very warm welcome. It's so good to reconnect with you and thank you for speaking with me to talk about the local and regional good things you've got growing. Thanks, Anthea. Thanks for having me. Um, just firstly, like to acknowledge the traditional owners where I am today, the Mularidji, Coco Mularidji and the Western Yalanji where on a um, bit of an overlapping spot here in Mount Molloy. And, yeah, just acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging. And thanks for having me. Mm, and I acknowledge the Gadigal people, the land that I'm joining you from. Um, Erica, so how is the family and, and the beautiful Mount Molloy, Mount Molloy area looking this season? Uh, very good. We've just had a lot of rain over the last two days. Um, the wet season, it's our, just the end of our wet season and it had been a funny one you know it had some good rain and then sunshiny weeks in between which uh, made us feel like we weren't getting a good wet season but it was actually really good for grass growth and it's been quite good really and that follow-up right now at the end of April is really nice to get us through the dry season. And Erica you and your husband and your son and daughter run a small farm. Can you remind me, what, what do you grow there? Uh, we've just got some beef cattle, very small scale, we've got 200 acres here, um, and we're experimenting with a few bush foods, but, yeah, very small scale at the moment. But our, our focus has been taken away from the farm a bit with what we've been doing um, with Farm Meets Foodie, and we work off farm a fair bit as well. And, and can you paint a bit of a snapshot or a, a sort of a mental mud map, if you like, of where you're located for people who, who don't know where Mount Molloy is? Where, where, where are you based? What's, what's your region? Sure. So we're, for those that know, far north, we're in far north Queensland, um, just around 30 kilometres north of Mareeba. So Mareeba is on the Atherton Tablelands in, well, in the hinterland behind Cairns and Port Douglas. Um, we're in the northern end of that. So... Um, for those that haven't been to the far north, this beautiful tropical region, um, 
on the coast and in the ranges, a lot of rainforest country and World Heritage Area, uh, where our place is, we're maybe more into the savannah type country, which is a bit drier. Um, and then we've got Cape York to the north of us and the Gulf of Carpentaria to the west of us. So our creeks here actually flow out to the Gulf of Carpentaria, some five or 600 kilometres away. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's a very variable landscape where a lot of different vegetation types meet. So yeah. um, very interesting nature-wise, but also as a food production area. Yeah, really diverse. And and you're within range, obviously, as you've said, of Cairns, but also of Port Douglas. Is that right? Yeah, so we're only a probably 45-minute drive to Port Douglas and an hour and a half or a bit more to Cairns from where we are. So lots of uh, touristy and other restaurants and food businesses there. Innovative free new market platforms, such as that developed by the Open Food Network and by you, um, seem not only to be fixing problems or disconnects within current mainstream food systems, but in many ways are creating step change, making tangible pathways towards more values-based, local and regionally oriented food systems. It's pretty amazing what you've what you what you've done and what you are doing. Before digging into talk about farmer meets foodie and the services you offer, Erica, can you perhaps tell us a little bit about the previous roles you've had and and if they highlighted particular opportunities or or needs in your region that helped inspire you to think about starting something like farmer meets foodie? Yeah, sure. So my background um, career wise is in natural resource management, uh, working with farmers in land care and. Um, environmental education, that kind of thing. So I was based, uh, we've lived in all different parts of Australia, mostly regional and remote. Um, but my most recent role was out at, in the Northern Gulf region, out at Croydon, um, working with beef producers and the community, um, looking at, yeah, uh, just land care type things. But we, um, in particular, I guess what got me thinking you know we worked I worked with a lot of beef producers and and prior to that other kinds of producers and up here on the tablelands um different farmers but what really stood out is you know the work that they put into um doing things in an environmentally friendly manner or the animal ethics the trouble they go to um that isn't recognized when we buy our food so even though they do all these extra things to and things that they just do normally anyway to to make their businesses viable and long-term um, aren't acknowledged when we buy produce at the supermarket. We don't really know how that food's been grown and if there has been any special care taken to it unless it's, you know, specifically certified in a certain way. So I just um, felt there was really a, a missing link there as far as getting those great stories across to the people who were... Um, eating the food and I guess producers too get a bit lost in or us as natural resource management um, facilitators kind of lose a bit that we are producing food or helping people to produce um, quality food and and you kind of get lost you lose that story a bit in the day-to-day of just getting the job done. Yeah yeah so a really direct connection between NRM and supporting local producers do the really sustainable, innovative things that they do and be recognised for it. That's that's pretty fabulous. So I was going to ask you 
how and when did the idea of Farmer Meets Foodie get going and into action? And uh, to ask you about what were some of the first key steps or activities that you that you took to make that transition from NRM to to starting Farmer Meets Foodie? Yeah, there's a few things that um, really got me thinking more about making that more of an actual thing than just um, telling some good stories. So initially, I, um, I guess the first ideas were around 2018 uh, about how I could tell more of those stories about the good you know, the good things that producers are doing and getting that story across to foodies. You know, I was organising some events where we were using all local produce on the menu but didn't realise how, even though I worked with lots of producers, how difficult that would be to actually find out who had what available for that date and whether they'd have the quantities we were after and whether they'd even want to um, sell it to us direct. And then even finding, you know, we had a three-course meal, so all the different ingredients. We were driving all over the tablelands to collect them in time for the <laughs> thing. And I was, you know, thinking this there were so many great new apps coming out at the time. There must be an easy way to do this virtually. Um, and us on our farm looking at what we might sell to that restaurant cafe strip down at Port Douglas and, and what we might grow f- for that market. But, again, envisaging having to knock on every cafe's door and see what they had if they wanted to source direct and and there's a pretty high turnover of staff in the hospitality industry, so imagine you have to redo that all the time. So, again, thinking there must, you know, be a way to do that um, well with technology. Um, we, I originally started a closed Facebook group up here, Farmer Meets Foodie North Queensland, and that really got people, um, you know, producers could post what they had and and foodies could post what they were looking for in cafes and restaurants. Um, So initially I was really trying to connect the chefs to the farmers. Um, I had at one of those events where I had a caterer that did use local produce a lot. It was a rural women's event and she asked me to introduce her to some of the farmers there and I was really surprised that she didn't know a couple of these farmers who, you know, to me were really well known for their the product that they had was quite interesting product that would be, you know, really good for her menus. Um, but, she, yeah, it just made me again realise that there just wasn't that connection there even though there was the interest there. Yeah, so you started with Facebook and with some events and the more you got into it, you realised that there was this opportunity for a for, for, for an ongoing resource that people could connect through and know what was available, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we went then and got some funding um, to really engage both sides of that of that um, platform and, and set up an initial platform where they could connect. And, you know, we were aiming for something like Tinder for Produce. They could have their profiles and connect with each other and go from there. Mm-hmm. And um, so you sort of, yeah, so, so I was going to ask you about, you know, what some of your founding key objectives were and what sort of drove your passion and the why and the rationale for what you're doing and I think you've sort of given a really lovely overview of that um has that changed in any way or or are they are they is it still very much about you know really trying to connect farmers with the chefs and restaurants and and everyday household consumers yeah I mean the drive for us is really to there's a lot of things but a lot of it is around making rural and regional communities more um, vibrant and keeping more of that, I guess, profit in the regions rather than, you know, most of our produce here in Far North Queensland travels 
to Brisbane to the main markets or Sydney and Melbourne. Um, and then like for the produce that we eat here, it has to come all the way back again before we get it in our supermarkets and cafes, which is just insane. <laughs> That's not even funny, really, um, from an environmental perspective. Um, but, yeah, so just bringing, you know, to try and bring keep more of that, um, hap, you know, that packaging, all the things that need to be done, there's no reason now why they can't happen in a regional area more and keep the product that we use here locally. Local multipliers and reducing reducing waste, food waste and food miles waste and those sorts of things. Yeah, and food waste, yeah, for sure. There's some awesome um, companies up here that we work with, like Taste Before Waste and Tablelands to Tabletop that collect from their own far- family farms but from other farmers and then, you know, package it up into smaller, you know, mixed boxes or smaller quantities to go to home foodies. So we work with them to help them distribute you know to find new customers so yeah there's some great things like that happening in this region as there are across Australia and yeah but apart from that we're really just also keen on you know we've lived and worked in a lot of remote communities and some that you've visited with us helping people in those areas to not only source produce but to also tap into the opportunities of you know selling and marketing their produce that's often quite unique to people in Oh, that yeah. yeah, fantastic. So you have two really great websites, one for the virtual marketplaces where where producers and consumers can connect and transact, and the other that provides information about other services and local food connections that you facilitate. Let's first talk about the virtual marketplace. As your website says, the uh, Farmer Meets Foodie connects producers, harvesters and growers direct to commercial food businesses and consumers, allowing them to buy, sell and move produce direct. One platform, many solutions. Um, can you walk us through or give us a bit of an overview of just, you know, very bo- very helicopter, how it works and how people and businesses can access and use it? Yeah, sure. So each um, producer uh, just sets up, they have their own shop front where they upload their products um, and then a consumer or a chef can go on and, and search by product and what's in their area and order and then it's delivered direct to them. So a lot of producers do their own deliveries and we're um, experimenting with doing some deliveries as well and making connections with transporters in the area that can do deliveries. It's one of the things that's quite unique for to this area and other more regional remote areas of Australia is the transport challenges in that there's lots of little towns spread out um, and that's what we've found a lot of, you know, we have quite a lot of customers in the main centres in Cairns and Townsville but the satellite towns around those areas and even further west in the Gulf and the Cape are really also wanting to source local produce and not, you know, for those remote places especially the produce is not only going all the way down to Cairns, Brisbane or Melbourne and back, it's then also travelling that extra 500 kilometres out to where they are. Um, so if we can send them things direct from here, um, that just keeps makes their produce a lot fresher and more available. So. Yeah, and cuts out cost as well, I, I would imagine. Amazing. Yeah, I love the incredible diversity of products that the you know, there's an incredible diversity by category of products on the site. And I also really love the listing of types of different production systems used. And you've spoken about how you wanted to get uh, 
wanted to support producers to be recognised and valued for the environmental and other ethical uh, production systems that they use. And I also really love the the regional range of kilometres or the footprint that you that the search engine allows you to choose from. You can choose really local, brought more regional or, or going further afield. So from 10 kilometres to 500 kilometres or more. Um, can you tell us roughly, and just very roughly, how many producers and, cu- and consumers are currently using the system? And is it growing? Yeah, we've got, I think it's just over 250 producers and cafe. So we've got a lot of commercial food businesses on there as well from when we initially set up as a business to business set up. But, and then just over, I think it's 150 um, home foodies now. So we're still pretty early days as far as transactions that we've been able to monitor because initially it was just that connection platform, but now that they're actually able to purchase through the platform, we've just had, I think, our first 130 sales this week. So um, it's early days, but growing each month, so it's quite exciting. We um, Yeah, it's huge. And, and, and COVID would have affected tourism-related uh, commercial restaurants and things, so that's all hopefully set to pick up and grow again yeah yeah yes quite a few that we had on board closed so but there's new ones popping up as well new food trucks and things we just had a food festival on the weekend so it was exciting to see some of the new food trucks that have evolved since COVID that's fantastic food trucks did you say food truck yeah fantastic food trucks and caterers and food van yeah it's been really popular with those and and really popular too, as you're saying, with the kind of organic biodynamic growers um, and cafes that are that are wanting that different product. They're the ones that really sought us out initially. And yeah, no, that's interesting. So really innovative sort of pop-ups that, that are popping up on an ongoing basis and and mobile. That's really exciting for a regional area. Yeah. It is, yes, yeah. And probably, probably quite practical because they can move around to different events and um, you know, if they're in a small town, they might not be able to sustain being there every week. But if they can go to other small towns around the region, then it's more viable. Yeah, no, that's that's really exciting. Um, can you sketch the sort of geographic footprint or the or the general sort of area of where the farmers and foodies who currently use the system are mostly located? Is it across, is it across your region or very much the tablelands or just a, a rough picture? Yeah, most of the products that we're selling at the moment are coming from the tablelands. That's where a lot of our focus has been. Um, we do have producers in every state, though, that have signed up to try the platform. Um, but we've done, a, we've done a bit of work with the fishing industry as well. So we partner with Austral Fisheries who harvest wild harvest prawns and Morton Bay bugs in the Gulf of Carpentaria. So they're Marine Council certified and they um, do a lot or their product's actually carbon neutral. So it was really exciting for us to partner with them and and keep some of those Skull Island tiger prawns in far north Queensland because usually they go straight to Brisbane or overseas. Um, So we're able to give local foodies a taste of that exciting product and and we have other smaller fishes that we're working with as well, also from the Gulf, um, that bring things across and can actually now deliver into those little towns on their way back from there as well. Yeah. So the summer of sustainable seafood was very much about seafood from the Gulf, not from the reef. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's that's a 
a really amazing support to a regional food system. Well done, you. Goodness. I was going to ask you, building on that, are there particular local or, or regional products that perhaps stand out in terms of success stories, in terms of demand for them that the platforms helped create? Or, or Yeah, it's, well, I guess the seafood is one. Um, oh, there's lots of, it's such a diverse amount of product, like range of products. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the, um, the Russian organic gar- garlic and the Argyle Australian saffron. I thought, wow, they're pretty unique. Oh, yeah. I didn't know we grew saffron, saffron in Australia. <laughs> yeah, well, I love the rainforest products. Um, rainforest Bounty, we've been selling a bit of their stuff on our platform. Um, they do all kinds of exciting things and they've just launched some new kombucha and, and things over the weekend, which is exciting. Uh, but... Apart from those, you know, really different products, things like um, one of our suppliers does a taster box where there's all different mix of fruit and veg in the one box. So the home food is really like avocados have been big the last few months. Um, A lot of the producers, there were some interruptions with the Melbourne market, so they were keen to sell off some here. So that's been really popular. The price has been pretty good so that home food is and commercial foodies and the local fruit and veg shops have really got into to those and banana the food boxes are a bit like um, uh, csas or community supported agriculture once everyone knows yeah pretty much yeah it's just a mixed bag of what's um local and in season that week so but even things like honey and eggs go into them as well and bananas we've got the eco bananas um from innisfail that so they've got the business taste before waste as well. So they get, you know, second eco bananas, which there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with them from what I can see. I think it's just the shapes different. So they've been really popular to buy a full box and people will buy a big box and share it with, you know, friends chip in together and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, fantastic. So we've sort of spoken about some of the really special producers and products that are unique in your region. What about beef? Has beef, um, has have there been significant meat sales via via the site? Yeah, we've um, got quite a few beef producers on the site. Um, we're just there's a few things around. Well, we can't. We've got to get a special license to be able to do the deliveries for that ourselves. Um, so we're just working on that. But yeah, there is a few niche beef producers and pork and um, lamb in this area as well. So we're working to get some more of that online for sure. Well, that's interesting. I, I was sort of wondering, you know, in terms of connecting uh, producers like meat producers with um, commercial food businesses, do you find that once they're connected that they may go to trade directly with each other going forward or do they continue to use the system because of the special, I don't know, information that it provides about seasonality and current availability and so on? Yeah, that might happen. I think. The, if they're going to stay within the platform, it'll be more because of how whether the platform makes life easier for them or not. You know, if it's like at the moment for a lot of the producers, rather than them having to handle money and, you know, be chasing people up or giving bank account details to take to get those transactions, it's all automated, you know, that people just put in their credit card and they're paid straight away. And same if restaurants are ordering, they know that they'll be paid straight away and they don't have to be invoicing and that type of thing. It's all done, automated in the platform. So, and this, 
what we're working towards with the transporting as well. We're hoping that that, you know, will be a reason for them to use the platform to save, you know, as a producer having to go out for at least a full day every week doing deliveries, uh, we can save them there. That will. Yeah. No, no, the transport connections that you're building sound, sound really powerful and a really important part of what's really driving change and, and opportunities th- through the platform. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's amazing. Um, I was going to ask about COVID. Obviously, it's had huge impacts on families and communities and on areas that depend on tourism like Cairns and Port Douglas, and we've, we've touched on that. Um, how, how has COVID impacted on commercial food businesses um, like restaurants and hotels that you work with? Some have closed down. I mean, a, a lot of the really established ones getting back back underway. Uh, it's very variable, Anthea. Some, yeah, have just had a really tough time. Shut up shop <laughs> and not not opening again. Um, I guess it, there's probably a whole lot of variables about what you know what position they were in going into COVID um, or what they wanted to do with their lives. I think you know a lot of cafes and restaurants work on the. Um, a pretty slim margin at the best of times. So, you know, we've seen some do quite a lot of innovative things, you know, during the lockdown with takeaway menus um, and some going more into providing fruit and veg straight from their shop and that kind of thing for some of these smaller towns that seemed to work really well to keep them going and they, they continued on with that. So that's more cafes probably than restaurants, but just to give you an idea, you know, of the pivoting that they were able to do and seen quite a few change hands over that time as well. So some were sold during COVID. And- mm, mm, yeah, and obviously backpackers as customers and as staff aren't as available and all that all that goes. Yeah, that's right. That's definitely been an issue on both sides of the mm, and for the farmers as well as yeah. the cafes this year. We touched on the summer of sustainable seafood. I, I just was amazed by, uh, you know, in terms of... Uh, reducing food miles and making fresh food from the area available to people in the local area. I think on your website you talk about how it was all about closing the trawler gap for sustainable seafood and saving something like 3,362 food miles per seafood box. Um, I just thought that was incredible. Yeah. Are, are there other positive impacts that you can talk about or that you might have seen that are flowing on from that program? Obviously it's got long-term objectives oh yeah so that was a start start some good pro oh, it was seafood for good program with start some good and austral seafood and blue x um so it was a it was an eight or 12 week um program and then we bidded to or competed to go through to the final um to do a crowdfund and work with austral to get our products out so the other one that went through was seaweedery so all, all the um, businesses in it were pretty exciting, had great projects. Um, so for us, yeah, that's really give us the opportunity to continue to work with Austral but also to um, demonstrate because doing the cold chain, like moving frozen product is the biggest challenge. So we figured if we get that right and <laughs> we can do it with other, you know, anything else should be easier. Um, so it's given us opportunity to work with other sea, smaller seafood producers now as well and and probably give us the confidence to approach other bigger producers going forward. Like that was the biggest company we'd worked to up until that point. Um, but we need to build our customer base to quite 
you know, to work with those bigger companies to be able to have enough product to be going out to make it worth their while. But yeah, that food miles, that's, you know, that's not just for the seafood, all our fruit and veg here. I just get told stories all the time by producers about how they walk into the supermarket and see their <laughs> product there that they didn't send to that supermarket. They send it down south to the main markets and it's come back. Um, so probably the most classic story I had was from a student who worked picking um, potatoes at a potato farm during the week and then he would work at the local supermarket packing fruit and veg onto the shelves and he'd, yeah, potatoes he'd picked the week before, a couple of weeks before he was then packing them on the shelves in the supermarket after they'd been to Brisbane and back, even though, you know, the farm was 10 kilometres away from the shop. Like it's just That is a cracker of a story and a great summary of the positive changes you're making. Fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Um, your region, as you say, is in far north Queensland, far from Brisbane and the Melbourne and Sydney markets, um, and you offer four options for delivery, pick-up, local free delivery, Australia Post Express and Australia Post. And and as you've said, you're working on some really innovative new arrangements with the local freight and logistics um, industry, which is really exciting. How? Uh, what's what? What's the current most common or preferred delivery or pickup option? Is it pretty much physical delivery? Yes, either us delivering it or one of the or the producers doing the deliveries for sure. That's probably more as much because that's where we've focused our attention in the last few months since we started with the Austral project, um, the Seafood for Good project. But, yeah, there has been some mail order, so we haven't put a lot of time and energy into that, but was probably something we will do going forward. But, I mean, our real focus is to get things moving more locally. So we do, you know, want to support producers to to be able to send their product Australia-wide if that's where the demand is. Um, but we're also really keen to... <laughs> but but it's, not your, yeah, it's not your driving rationale. You're enabling producers to sell more broadly, but your focus is regional and growing yeah. those connections, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah totally. let's just talk a little bit about the Farmer Meets Foodie business model because it's quite a social enterprise, uh, makes do some good exercise you and your family have really committed to, isn't it? You charge a tiny fee on transactions and producers receive 90%, 95% of all sales um, direct, cutting out other freight and transactional costs. And it's really just pretty fabulous, really, isn't it? Because you're directly increasing the share of the sale price that the, that the producer gets. Yeah, yeah. On average, Australian producers will get less than um, 10% of the final price of their product, which is pretty sad with all the, the amount of work that goes into it. So we're trying to flip that around so they're getting closer to the 90%. That is amazing. And keeping that money in regional areas. Fantastic. So so what's the feedback from producers been like um, in terms of that? Have what, have what what What's... You know, have producers been? I think some are a bit sceptical, as in, <laughs> to be true. <laughs> but yeah, it is quite a mind shift for people to, you know, they're really used to having an agent. Yeah. That once they've boxed the product or put it in the crates, then it's that's the end of it for them. It's it's gone away. So it's a bit of a shift of mindset. Though saying that, we do work with producers that have been doing the paddock to plate thing for a while and, you know, have their own websites or go to markets and that kind of thing. So it's not such a mind shift for them. Yeah. Um, it's probably a bit too early days with the number of transactions we've had, but I think 
We have seen businesses grow, you know, in our closed Facebook group, especially during COVID. That was really a key place for people to post and and get some traction going with, yeah, setting up with doing deliveries at a time when people were really looking for that. So have you seen a few businesses really growing via the platform or is it still too early days? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and during lockdown, a lot a lot of people were looking to buy locally or not having to go into big stores and public places. And so um, it's been an inc- that's been a, quite a mind shift and a, a almost like a gear shift in the in the way the food market works, hasn't it? Um, what about some feedback from commercial food businesses and and or restaurants? I suppose farmer meets foodie means that they know they can find and source fabulous local and regional produce produce on an ongoing basis and wrap it into their menus and marketing and so on. Can you can you tell us about what you might have been seeing in that sort of space yeah yeah the difference I guess is um because there are other delivery options for them but they don't necessarily know which farm the products come from or the story about it so we have some really exciting chefs in the region that only want to work with seasonal local product and that's um you know that gets us really excited because that's what we're all about that are really pleased like that seafood is an example we had one chef that didn't want to use prawn you know he was under a prawn certification program because he you know wanted to use sustainable prawns but by having the full story of the prawns that we were providing they weren't certified under his system that he was under but once he got the whole full story then he was able to see because often with those certifications yeah they're restrictive and you can't really see the full story and they don't necessarily allow for um, product from a different region so it didn't even cover the Gulf region so they didn't the story was there so yeah he was really excited to be able to put prawns back on his menu and um and his really strict standards so that was good yeah so, so that's a, a fantastic example of the provenance story really driving a business opportunity that that you've directly mm. seen that's fantastic yeah well done you goodness I suppose that's a good lead-in to talk about the other menu, I suppose, of other rich networking and marketing services that you also offer under the Farmer Meets Foodie umbrella. You offer various services and events that provide additional support to producers, and, and in a sense, that's where you started from. Um, and those events and marketing services are all about helping producers learn and take on new skills so that they can further drive their own promotional and marketing activities to connect with commercial and other uh consumers can you tell us would you like to tell us about one or two of the special services and events that you offer i'm i'm particularly i'm particularly i'm particularly i particularly want to come to one of those um, meet and greet events oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah we don't do enough of those but we should start doing more of them <laughs> um yeah it's fantastic yeah so just again getting opportunities to get farmers and foodies face to face um and you know have a few producers talk and chefs talk about what they're doing what their passion is and I really find well we do those marketing your boutique produce workshops as well um where farmers just learn how to use social media and uh, you know more for people that haven't used it before haven't used it much and and not really getting you know that don't know what hashtags are or how to do a handle and how to get the most out of their social media and how to find their customers so that's what that's about but what the great thing about those workshops and events is when those farmers come together and the foodies too, they just don't get the opportunity to talk to other people who are doing the same kind of thing as they are and they 
just have the best time <laughs> and become really close afterwards because they really make that connection. Um, you know, you think they might be worried about competing with each other, but actually they can offer so much to each other, so much support and understanding, of not necessarily around marketing, but about, you know, what a lot of them are biodynamic or, or, or working towards organic certification. So it's dealing with, you know, what pests they're going to deal with or, you know, what just crazy things the cows did that week or whatever. It's just... Um, no, that's really powerful. It's a sort of professional and peer support but done in a very convivial uh social way it's a relaxed way yeah which they don't there's not many opportunities oh there's field days and that kind of thing which is probably another place where they can do that but it's for those really niche um small boutique businesses it's pretty far few and far between so so just for listeners i just want to uh, showcase meet and greet it's where erica gets 15 uh producers and 15 commercial uh, food businesses like restaurants or retailers or cafes. And so 30 people come together and spend how much time together, Erica? Is it a half day or a day? Or- oh, just a couple of hours over, you know, some networking, drinks and things. And yeah. Nibblies try and do a one-on-one uh, speed dating type of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> now I have to ask you, does your rooster go to those events as well? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> No, I love the rooster. He's far away today. I've had really embarrassing times when he's been right under the house crying. <laughs> does he have a do, Does he have a name? He's quite a character. Zorro. Zorro. Of course. Yes. 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 I, I, I would. Ex- I would expect no less. Um, so it really sounds like you're helping grow the local and regional food ecosystem, and and some very special nodes and networks within it. Like just incredible the the mix of things that you're pulling together. To, to build that ecosystem and those those um, social and commercial connections. Erica, what's the sort of split of your time that you spend between working on and developing the virtual marketplace and on the services and events that you create and offer? Is it 50-50 or 90? Uh, no, it's probably 90-10 to the um, working on the Farm Meets Foodie platform. At this stage, probably a year or two ago, it was closer to 50-50, but we've just, since COVID, put our well, most of our resources into the platform. But probably something as we want to engage new producers too, it's a good way, and commercial food businesses to bring them journey with us. So certainly something we'll, we won't close up altogether at any point, I wouldn't think. Yeah, and, and COVID has meant, there's greater demand for online marketplaces. Plus, of course, gatherings have been harder to hold. Um, yeah, Erica, you have such a deep knowledge of your region. You're a farmer. You've worked with Northern Gulf NRM and with many traditional owners and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students, schools and communities over many years, such as, such as Croydon. Um, and I've had the pleasure of visiting a few of them with you. So much, so much fun. Um, and, and food insecurity, availability, affordability and more is, you know, an issue in so many remote and rural uh, areas and the Gulf area is vast and distances alone to food stores can be a big issue for people who not only live in small communities but also for people who live on big remote stations. I saw recently that you were 
you were involved with a food security workshop in Croydon in the Gulf Country. And when we chatted recently, you said that the community came up with some incredible ideas. I was wondering um, if you would like to or, or are you able to to perhaps share one or two of what a few of those great ideas were? Yeah, sure. Probably that, um, so Croydon, just to give some context, it's about 500 kilometres west of Cairns in the Gulf of Carpentaria. Um, it's a population on only about 200 people, so quite small, which is probably one of their challenges is just lots of ideas of what people like to do, but because the population is so small, it is quite a burden on a small population to to make those ideas a reality when they've got a, a lot to do just to keep the basics of the schools and um, healthcare services going. But, yeah, ideas came around. So there was a bit around water security as well. They had a dam there, but um, last year or in the last few years it's been low. So one of the ideas was just rainwater tanks. I mean, it just seems obvious. <laughs> but there's challenges about why that might not work. So it's just that's part of the workshop. Is, well, the workshop was really just an ideas workshop. So then part of the process following on from that will be um, working out ways around that. So, yeah other things around so another big thing that came out was access to a variety of meat so it's a, a big beef producing area um although mostly what they call a calf factory so they're mostly raising calves and wieners to go to other regions but so people are really wanting a variety of meat so pork and lamb and goat and chicken and, and some wild um harvest meat as well for the Tugalaka people um so just yeah looking at they used to have a butcher shop there 20 years ago or 30 years ago but hasn't been open for a while so they're wondering what opportunities there might be there so things that you know could be quite probably quite easily solved um so yeah it was quite exciting to see the ideas that that came out and lots around bush foods as well and food forests and and they have started a um aquaponics project there so they've got some fish and and some fresh veggies there that through the northern gulf resource management group um they got some funding to employ someone to run that and, and the school where you came to oh, it was 2012 so golf kids environment day so that garden that we were establishing then is still going really strong and they've got a bit of a food forest there now and it's really good that they've just had their 10th golf kids environment day so it's wonderful to see that continuing so for a small community so Golf Kids Environment Day is an event where um, all the children from all the local neighbouring towns, which are, you know, 150 kilometres away, <laughs> and from the stations all come into town and um, learn about environmental or food growing projects So for the day and they get special um, guests in like yourself, Anthea. It was so good to have you there with the Rig Network. We do various activities. <laughs> yeah, no, and and... Wonderful to hear it's still going and uh, all, all credit to you, I think, Erica. I think you might have kicked that program off, didn't you? Oh, we started off, but there's a lot of people yeah. involved and yeah. it's great to see that they've been able to continue it. Yeah, that's, that's going great. And things like that just, I think, then gives the community the opportunity to say this. Is, sorry, there's the dogs. This is. <laughs> that, that's all right. That, that dog will be featuring on your promo. I love that dog. <laughs> the dog and the rooster. But yeah, those events give the community the opportunity to to show this is you know what's of value to us and yeah yeah, and the idea of a local small abattoir, small butcher, um, 
in Croydon sounds very attainable and something which through your networks and through that community I can imagine, you know, we might be talking about again in a year or two's time, let's hope. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we can make that happen. Yeah, for sure. And do you think do you think um Croydon and and, and pastoralists and in that region will will they be do you think they they will be buying from Farmer Meets Foodie going forward? Oh uh, yeah. So we've had some already um especially the seafood that's been popular going through those regions through Croydon and Georgetown. Um, just in the last few weeks off one of the travellers they were doing a run that way so we were able to get some sales for them there and yeah we're just trying and getting some fruit boxes out there as well the cost of freight is a bit of an issue um, but we're hoping to work with the freight companies to I think it's more just working things out like if you get a few boxes then it brings the cost right down but if you're just getting one box it's nearly as much as the box to get it out there so it's just working through those things. Yeah, and power in numbers and, and small networks collaborating to make it happen, which is what you're doing. Um, Erica, Farmer Meets Foodie and, and what you're doing are really helping to grow and as you say, and promote sustainably produced food in your region, along with connections to support to support people and their communities and economies to be stronger, more resilient and healthy. And the read the, the the lands and watersheds from much of your area flow into the flow west but much of it also flows to the reef doesn't it so the positive impacts of what you're doing uh flow to the reef as well i saw i saw recently that the sustainable table team from melbourne have recently launched the sustainable table fund in the Mackay, isaac and with sunday's region and it's a and it's a program to distribute grants to grassroots food systems initiatives um, like yourselves, <laughs> um, and it's all about regenerating agriculture across the Great Barrier Reef catchments. Um, obviously, that area is well south of where you are, but um, have they been in touch and uh, do you see opportunities to possibly connect with and, and work with that new program? Yeah, I do talk to Tegan a bit, who's based down there. Um, we've shared it. We do have a Farm Meets Foodie Central Queensland closed group, which is pretty small, but we've shared the info about that in that group so yeah it's wonderful to see that investment in a region like that that is you know they've probably got more challenges than us here because um just they're quite isolated and it's a long way before the next large center but yeah it's certainly an area we have had produced we do have producers from that area in our platform but we haven't really been able to put the time into yet to help to really um getting their products on and and getting that out there but they yeah the Whit Sundays group has been really active in the past couple of years and do some great events down there too so we'll definitely be staying in touch with them yeah yeah so you'll be having spoken with them in various ways um Erica you were in Byron Bay and the New South Wales Northern Rivers region recently when we chatted and I think you were participating in the um is it called the Agro Awards uh, what, what's <laughs> the few the Future Agro Challenge. <laughs> Tell me about that and how did it all go? Yeah, so it's a annual challenge for the Agripreneur of the Year um, and it's the national competition, which then the winner of that goes on to the world competition. So we and we were in the finals for the competition, which was what was in Byron Bay. Uh, we didn't get through to take out the prize, but we had a great weekend and really connected with some fabulous other innov innovators and innovations from across Australia. 
it was really exciting to be a part of it because previously the event had been held up here so we've been spectators for a few years so it was nice to, to go along and be amongst it yeah no that's fantastic and and I think your your website says that you know obviously to date you've been focused in North Queensland where the idea was hatched um but you're going forward you're you're looking to expand or make your services also available throughout Queensland, like the Central Queensland Close Facebook group and also in northern New South Wales. How's that How's that all going? And Yeah, good. There's a lot of interest in northern New South Wales and southeast Queensland. Um, you know, similar to here, it's a fabulous food bowl area and we um, just wanting to help them with that. I guess that logistics is the main thing and they have a lot of markets there, like not just weekly but you know, a few times a week, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think there's opportunity there for, for the home delivery thing and certainly everyone we speak to in the area is really keen to for when we are able to expand down there in more detail. But we really want to get get things, the whole transport logistic things really working here well here first that we can use as a demonstration to show how it can be done rather than, you know, our producers and foodies here have been really patient it's taken us a few years to get to this point and we really appreciate, yeah, their involvement and, and trialling things with us. So we'll be excited to take it to other regions going forward. No, fantastic. And and lots of good groups, to, as you no doubt know, to connect with in southeast Queensland like Food Connect and there's a big, there's a, a, re, a, re, a, a regionality conference coming up all about local food. Yeah. In May anyway. Yes. So many things. So. Where to from here? I think you've sort of said bedding down the transport and logistics and expanding the model uh, to other regions and to other producer areas. Do you need or are you seeking financial or other other types of support to help you get there? Yeah, we're just well at the moment. We're really focusing on getting getting more sales and transactions through the platform, so that you know our plan is to go to investors in later in the year but we want to have some good data to show them and really be able to show this transport model as a a viable solution um but yeah we'd like to get some investment then so that we can really take it to those other regions and do something great and scale it up a bit i was going to ask how can people donors businesses councils others uh best support or get in touch to support what you're doing but it sounds as though the best way to support you at this point is to register get online and use the platform and help create that fabulous startup (laughs) is that right yeah absolutely yeah that's right (laughs) okay erica when you think about when and from where farmer meets foodie started covid in between and what you've achieved and about where things are now in the local and regional food space in the local and regional foodie space where you live and work can i ask you What's been the most rewarding thing or two that you've enjoyed or seen develop? What one or two things stand out for you? I guess things like um, seeing, you know, the chef I was talking about that found prawns that he didn't think he'd be able to use. Yeah. Like connecting those people to the really sustainable product that um, has a really good, you know, good credentials and environmental credentials that's what gets me really excited um yeah 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 and being able to help regions like Croydon to improve their food security that's really exciting for us as well yeah and um 
looking forward, uh, if you've got time to scratch yourself to do that, um, what might be your one big blue sky goal for 10 years on from now, perhaps for farmers and foodies in your region or perhaps for farmer meets foodie? Looking back from 10 years on, what's your big goal? Uh, yeah, it's really just about, you know, having this platform that people be able to just, you know, like Uber Eats, be able to order produce straight from the farm and track it as it's leaving the farm or trawler and arriving at their home or cafe. Yep. And it's fresh, it's delicious, it's got a great provenance story and the producer's getting 90% plus of the transaction. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and it hasn't travelled a long way to get there. (laughs) Erica, what you and your family and your rooster and your dog have created and grown, it's it's just an absolute inspiration and, and really inspiring for, you know, for people everywhere, but you know, for people who live in really special areas or regions that are quite remote and are from the large centralised markets, it's it's a real role model and I'm just so inspired by what you've done. So thank you. Thanks, Cynthia. <laughs> Thanks so much for speaking with me and I can't wait to get back to your, your beautiful region soon. Do you have any other final comments or reflections or call-outs you might like to share? Oh, no, I'd just like to thank you, Anthea, for your podcast. I've really been enjoying the stories on there and the really leaning into um you know what we can do to improve the greenhouse future and what people are doing australia-wide it's really nice to hear all the stories really appreciate it oh thank you and celebrating people in the regions who are doing amazing things yeah erica what's your dog's name i have to ask zorro's the rooster what's the what's your what's your dog called umbra (laughs) well oh he's gorgeous well can you please give them a big uh pat and a whatever you do to a rooster for me to thank them for joining us as well i look forward to speaking with you again soon and uh and watching farmer meets foodie grow go and grow from strength to strength thanks erica thank you anthea lovely to talk to you i've been speaking with erica hughes who is the founder of farmer meets foodie a virtual marketplace that connects local and regional producers with commercial food business and other consumers in far north queensland it's a sensational story and one that you can really help get behind to learn more or to join and use the marketplace, go to www.farmermeetsfoodie.com.au. And for more information about the local produce connections, events and services that Erica also offers, head to www.market.farmermeetsfoodie.com.au. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Anthea. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation offered some nourishing food for thought. To listen to more episodes of Nourishing Matters to Chew On, head to Foodswell's podcast page at foodswell.org.au backslash nourishing or you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay in touch via Instagram at Nourishing Matters or Foodswell Australia. As this is a new podcast, we'd really value your support. So please give us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app so other people can find us too. Nourishing Matters to Chew On is proud to be on the Climactic Network of Podcasts and part of a collective of podcasters dedicated to inspiring positive action around climate change. Check out the other great podcasts on the Climactic Network at www.climactic.fm.